about time, it's about space, it's about saving the human race. It's about hate, it's about love, it's about everything above. It's about war, it's about peace, it's about changing history. It's about you, it's about me, it's about time. Hello and welcome to this week's program. My name is Art Cardos and this program is called All In With The Lord. I don't know if you have ever felt like you just needed to know more about God's mercy and grace and love and what it means to be made in His image and likeness. But that's what we talk about on this program. We talk about what is the plan that God has for mankind But more importantly, what is the plan that he has for you and for myself and everyone else who might be listening here today and anyone who's not listening? Because God so loved the world that he sent his son into the earth. Now, I'd like to explore a little bit more about what that means. Because when we think in terms of God so loved the world... And he loved us in a very fallen condition. As a matter of fact, in the beginning, when the fall took place, when Adam ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, where he was not supposed to eat from, at that time, he fell out of what was known as the blessing. And he fell out of grace. He he, he was locked out of what we call Eden, which was the Garden of Eden, where everything was perfect. Actually, Eden was a sample area of what heaven is like. And everyone in this earth was supposed to live in a heaven-like Eden or an Eden-like heaven. So Adam did something that changed all that. And we keep asking ourselves the question, how can we get out of that fall? Well, the answer was supplied. As a matter of fact, the moment that Adam sinned or ate from the fruit of the tree that he wasn't supposed to eat from, At that moment in time, God had already formulated a plan. His plan was to get Adam back into the blessing. So he created us, and he created Adam and Eve, and he created them to be blessed, to replenish the earth, subdue it, and make it like heaven. That was, in my interpretation, through what I have read and learned and discerned, what the plan was. To make everything and everywhere that Adam went, the original plan was to make it like heaven, like Eden. So God created the first thing, uh, the first area for Adam and Eve and that was Eden. And then they did something that locked them out from the tree of life, which was the only tree they were supposed to get information from. So God refers to trees as information in all of us. 
He says, every tree that was planted in you or I that was not planted by God must be uprooted. That means that any information that came into us through our parents and through the earth that is not from God must be uprooted in order for him to replant the the information from the tree of life. So what would have happened? Why did God lock Adam out from the tree of life at that point? Did he not think it would have been good if he went back to the tree of life and maybe he would have been able to pull out of the other from the other information he got from the tree of knowledge of good and evil? No, he knew better. He knew that Satan had lured him over and tricked him in his mind And if he would have allowed him to continue to eat from the tree of life, he never would have died. And if he never would have died, he would have been locked into the hell that Lucifer brought upon him. Lucifer brought that all the sickness and disease, everything that we know today as things we don't want, came from Lucifer and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, God had created man in a way that all he wanted us to know was the goodness of God. All he wanted us to know was the blessing without any sickness, without any disease, without any lack. That would be heaven. And that is the original intention that God had made for Adam and Eve. He knew Adam needed a helpmate. He he knew he needed to separate Adam so that the two of them coming together in intimacy would be one person. And Adam needed a friend. He was lonely. And God knew what lonely was like because before God created everything, he was alone. And he needed and wanted something, someone to appreciate him. Because being alone, you can have the best of everything. And if you're alone, it doesn't matter that much because you're alone. You have no one to share it with. So God wanted to share everything he had with someone. And that's why he created mankind. He created mankind with free will, free choice, to choose whether or not to love God or to not. Because he didn't want to be the dictator. He didn't want to be the sovereign ruler who made people bow and worship. Because he also knew that that didn't have any value in it. The only value in someone loving another person is if they want to. If of their own free will they find in that other person the real true love that, that they... They want to submit to that person and vice versa. And then there's a value to it. But if you're made in bondage to uh, do whatever for another human being, there's no respect in that from either side. It's just total bondage. And that's not what God wanted for the universe. It's not what he wanted for mankind. He made mankind, us, in his image and likeness, so that we would know how he feels. 
so we would know how he is, so we could live knowing that God is in us, around us, and a part of us, but because of a loving God. He loves us, and he did not want to be portrayed as a dictator, as a ruler who just kills people and puts them in bondage. That is what Lucifer does. So Lucifer's role was to steal away man from God in from the beginning of the garden and feed him with all of the information that would cause him to be in bondage and in bondage to Lucifer because that's the only way Lucifer can get attention to be like God, by demanding it. Because no one wants to live in fear. No one wants to live in bondage. You might think you do at some point. You'd like everything to be taken care of for you if the government takes care of you, if people take care of you. But no one wants to be in bondage. You want to be free to do what you want to do. That's one of the reasons that this country has flourished because it provides and provides an atmosphere for people to be free, to think of their own, to cho choose right or wrong, but to still choose without someone demanding or taking away that choice that you would have called freedom of choice or freedom of speech. And we've had that in this country. We still have it in this country, although there are those attacking it every single day. When anyone attacks freedom, freedom of speech or freedom of thought, you know who the source is, because that is Lucifer's way of taking control of a life. And that's what he does. He tries to take control of your life and put you in bondage. How does he do that? He does it by programming you and programming all of us to believe that we're stuck where we are. We're just stuck where we are. You don't have a choice. You're going to be broke, busted, sick, and disgusted. Or you're going to have to trust in what a God. Okay, so our Father wants us to trust in Him, and He will supply all of our needs. But Lucifer wants you to trust in Him. And the only way he can replicate that is to use government or policies, rules, laws, and, and do that. And in the beginning, God blessed Adam. That's the first words Adam heard, by the way, when he was created. Be blessed and multiply and subdue the earth. And the, so Adam was created, and the first thing he hears, be blessed. So God originally planned for Adam and Eve to be blessed, and all the blessings from Deuteronomy, which are listed there, uh, would come on them. I'll read a few in a minute. But the whole purpose of the blessing was to keep all the evil stuff out. If all you knew was the blessing, and you didn't know all the evil, then your body would just automatically attract more blessings. But in came Lucifer to make sure we knew what the curse was. What's the curse? The curse is knowing the evil that can exist. And that becomes a curse because once you know something can happen, 
your mind just goes through a lot of different backflips trying to imagine how it will happen. Like Adam didn't know he was going to die until he ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And Lucifer implanted in his software, in his mind, the thought that said, this body will not live forever and it will surely die. And again, he said, God, because Adam said, God said, if we eat from this tree, we'll die. But uh, of course, Lucifer said, you will not surely die until after he ate. Then the information about death downloaded into him and became part of his belief system. And then the next uh, phase was God trying to get Adam back into the blessing. And that's when the laws were created. And God created the commandments. He created the laws and said, if you keep the laws, then you will be un- the blessings will come on you. If you break the laws, the curses will come on you. Now, then Jesus took that a step further because um, he said, if you even break one of the laws, you've broken them all. And he also said that uh, if you even think about murdering somebody, you've committed murder. So Jesus took it to the nth degree because that was the laws. Now, the Ten Commandments are part of it, but of course, according to the Hebrew uh, laws, there were over six, there were 613 different laws, which made it, um, I would say, impossible for any human on purpose to keep all the laws, because before you even learned about them, you probably broke some. So if you broke one, you broke them all. That's the way it was, and Jesus made it even more so. Remember, when Jesus walked on the earth, the Old Testament was still in effect. It wasn't until he died on the cross, went into hell, defeated Satan, and rose from the dead that we come into the new grace and mercy area. So the minute Adam sinned in the garden, God already formulated a plan to get him back under the blessing. And what are some of these blessings that I'm talking about? I'm just going to read a couple here, because here in Deuteronomy 28, uh, 11, it says, The Lord shall make you have a surplus of prosperity through the fruit of your body and your livestock and your ground and the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. So God wants you to have a surplus of prosperity. But that was part of the blessing. And if you didn't keep all of the laws, you weren't entitled to that. So God had to come up with a different method for us in order to do that. And back with Abraham, it was by faith that he was able to get any of the blessings through. God used faith to do it. Uh, He had to teach man how to believe for something. Now, as time goes on, we realize that some people did get blessed, but no one and no man ever, ever kept all 613 laws, and most have never kept Ten Commandments. Even the rich young ruler broke the one when he said, you know, Jesus said to he said, I've kept them all, Lord, and he said, yeah, but just go ahead and sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. 
how how wonderful would that have been? Because Jesus gave him a personal invitation to come follow him. And I just would like to uh, say that at that moment when Jesus, God, already planned to get the blessing back through Jesus, he planned to get the blessing back through Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. And realizing that we could not keep all the laws. There's no man except for one. His name was Jesus. So he came with a purpose. God wanted to bring mercy and, and grace to man who couldn't keep the law. And his mercy and grace, along with the fulfilling of the law, because, see, God's justice system can't be tampered with. God's justice system cannot be tampered with. It has to be used in a way that all of the things that he has put in place have to be justified. He is the almighty judge. He is the judge of all. He is the judge of all. And he must, uh, as the judge of all, he must um, fulfill all judgment. And so if he realized that man couldn't do it on his own, then he also realized that he had to have a plan to get his man back, and Jesus was the plan. Who will, who will fulfill the laws? Who can? And Jesus is the one saying, I'll do it. I'll go. I'll go and I'll fulfill the law. We can't eliminate the law because all of existence relies on justice. All of existence relies on the law. So we can't eliminate the law. All we can do is satisfy the justice that must be met because of the breaking of the law. So when people broke the law, they were under the curse, and justice had to come. The justice and mercy of God, and that mercy, justice, and grace, all wrapped up into fulfilling the law in Jesus the Christ. And I think that too often in the church, we don't talk about all this. We don't talk about all the things that God is doing uh, and has done for us because we couldn't do it ourselves. He wanted to get us back under the blessing. But Jesus came and he fulfilled the law. So when we talk about fulfilling the law, you if you're honest with yourself, you realize that if you know all the laws, all 613 laws, you will also know that there is no way that you you kept them all in your life. You can't do it. You broke them before you even realized you wanted to keep them. So therefore, you're under the curse. How do you get back? Jesus came, kept every law. Knowing he came to keep the law, he kept the law. Then he went and paid the price for our sins. He died and paid the price. God said, it is enough. Now we have that gift. So when we accept the gift of Jesus, and we accept the gift of love, we accept the gift of mercy and grace, 
we also accept the fact that he fulfilled the law. Because you, as good as you think you are, as smart as you think you are, can never, ever, and never will be able to keep the whole law. And therefore, apart from Jesus, you are under the curse, you're doomed. So, the good news and the gospel is when we accept what Jesus did and we accept him as our Lord and Savior, then what happens is we get restored eternal life. We get restored our health, wealth, grace, mercy, the judgments fulfilled, and we are under the grace of God and the mercy of God. Now, I believe that what's been taught mostly is you're saved or you get to go to heaven, but leaving out all the other parts which Jesus got for us. Satan loves that. Okay, so now you're going to heaven, but you don't, you don't get to be healthy and you don't get to be wealthy, but that's what the blessing says. It says it right here. The Lord shall make you have a surplus of prosperity through the fruit that the, through the fruit of your body and livestock, the Lord shall open to you his good treasury, the heavens to give you rain. So now when we transition through Christ and accept him, we're accepting his obedience to keep every law. You will never keep it. And if you're trying to earn a better place with God before you can be blessed, you'll never get there. It's just a lie you're telling yourself, and that lie was put in all of us by Lucifer himself. That's right. Lucifer did it. Lucifer's still lying to us. Even the churches get a little squirrely on all this because now we have good Christian people going around saying, oh, you're talking that prosperity message, or you're talking that name it and claim it message. Or you... So he labels Lucifer labels things that are good, written in the Word. And if you don't want to accept what's in the Word, that's your thing. That's your deal. You want to go to God and say, I don't accept everything that's in the Bible. Man, God bless you, but that is not who I am. I accept every word as if it's law, and it is the truth. Now, I may not keep it every word because I'm trying every day to be a better person, but I'm doing it differently. I'm doing it because I love God, not because I'm afraid of Him. And that's what God wanted. He wanted to demonstrate His love to you and I in a merciful way, an extremely merciful way, that He wanted to demonstrate His love so we would want to be obedient to the laws, not that we were running, hiding, and scared. And that's what Lucifer wants. He wants to separate you from God. He wants you to feel inferior. He wants you to feel like you can't do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. That's what he wants you to do. And because of that, we are stuck right here today fighting this fight of where I have to become, a, I have to be obedient to the laws. See, we're taking the Old Testament and we're, we're mixing it up with the New Testament. The New Testament is Jesus kept the law and fulfilled all the justice that's necessary in your life. 
then God's mercy and grace lifts you out from under the curse so you can be blessed. And if you realize that, you will begin to understand the depth of the love that God has for you. And because of understanding the depth of the love that God has for you, then you'll want to become better, not because you're hiding or trying to get good so you can be blessed, but because you love what God did for you. Jesus did it all. You can, you can think you have to do it, but I'm telling you right now, it's not based on what you do. The Old Testament was, the Old Testament was based on what you did to get under the blessing. The New Testament, Jesus fulfilled the law, and it's based on what he did to get you out from under it. When you begin to understand the love of that loving God, the mercy, the grace of that loving God, then you and I can be totally free from all of the guilt and all of the hiding and all of the frustration of not knowing that you can't be perfect. And you won't be perfect. However, Jesus was the perfect that you need. So you put on the Christ. You put on his perfect. You put on his mercy. You put on his payment. He paid the debt. He bailed you and I out of hell. He paid the bail. He got us out, but he paid it in full. You don't ever have to pay it back. Isn't that a great thing? Jesus, not only did he die on the cross so that you and I could have our sins forgiven, but he died and then through that he fulfilled the law, every tittle of it, and justified that God could then again bless mankind. He could bless us again because Jesus fulfilled the law. And if you're trying to fulfill the law, you're making a double payment. Do you want to become better at keeping all the laws? Absolutely. But you're doing it out of love, not out of fear, not out of... And, and if you miss it, you have an advocate with the Father. Did you ever read that? When you sin, you have an advocate with the Father who immediately reminds you that His grace and mercy and payment was enough for you. His payment was enough for you. Will you accept it? All we have to do is be obedient to believe that Jesus did that. So our obedience in the New Testament is to believe that Jesus fulfilled the law on our behalf, because you can't. Get rid of the guilt. Get rid of the fear. Get rid of trying to earn any position with God. Yes, you can do things and get rewards, but you're not earning your place in heaven. You're enjoying it by loving God and doing what he's called you to do. Jesus did it all. Jesus did it all. Jesus fulfilled the law, kept the law, fulfilled the law, and his mercy, his grace, defeated Satan, bought our, paid for us in full, and delivered us from hell 
and the evil of this world. If we could just grasp the love and grace and mercy and realize that justice has been met, then we can have a better life. We're going to take a commercial break. We'll be right back to discuss this more because this will free you up to be empowered to know that God loves you more than you'll ever know. And the God who created the universe has a person, wants a personal relationship with you, in you, through Christ. Don't go away. We'll be right back. It's about time. It's about space. It's about saving the human race. It's about hate. It's about love. It's about everything above. It's about war. It's about peace. It's about changing history. It's about you. It's about me. It's about time. Broadcasting live from historic West Norriton Township. This is AM 1180. AM 1180. WFYL. King of Prussia. Philadelphia. It's about time. It's about space. It's about saving the human race. It's about hate. It's about love. It's about everything above. It's about war. It's about peace. It's about changing history. It's about you. It's about me. It's about time. And we're back, and we're talking about how to get closer and closer to the Lord. Let me give you a warning about that. The closer you get to the truth, the lie wants to fight back. The lie wants to continue to tell you, this isn't working. It doesn't work for me. It works for those few people that just say it works, but it doesn't work for me. So the lie that was in us just rebels totally against the truth. Now, the truth will set you free, but people become very impatient. They become very intolerant of waiting or thinking that they're on the performance-based side of life and they have to perform. We don't have to perform. We need to love. We need to love our Lord, our God, with all our heart, all our mind, and all our soul. We need to turn to the Lord and loving Him for what He did for us. It's not based on our performance. It's based on His love. Now, when you come to that line where you say, if it's not based on my performance, but based on His love, then why don't I get my prayers answered immediately? I believe that in the invisible world, the prayer is already at work. I believe it is. It's already at work, coming to pass. But people's minds want to challenge that. And usually, it's right about the time something's about to manifest manifest, that a person will get the most upset and actually verbally start saying things against the manifestation, like it'll never work. This never works for me. It can't work. It's just not. It works. I don't get it. I don't feel it. I don't blah, 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 blah. And there's a hostility in those people that can only be dealt with by the Holy Spirit. So in doing that, I think it's important to 
understand that you are at war and that there is a war, but the war is inside of you. It's not inside of, it's not God fighting you. It's not you fighting God. The war, you're fighting with yourself and you're literally fighting with the thoughts that were put in you from the past. You want to control everything. You want to be the one in control. And when you can't control it, and you can't get that instant manifestation, then you get mad. And it's in the madness that love departs. You can't have peace, joy, and love while you're upset. It doesn't happen. You're choosing. So the Bible says choose life, that you might have more life and have it more abundantly. So we're breaking out of an old system. We literally are literally breaking out. It's like we were in such captivity and such jail over this system. And because of that, we don't um, recognize sometimes what freedom looks like. Freedom looks like you don't have to do anything. You're just free. If you've been, if you've been in jail and you were told, this is when I get up, this is when I eat, this is when I do this, this is when I go out to the yard, this is what I do, this is the time I do it. You are being told every second how to live your life. And you don't have a choice. You're in a cell. You're in bondage. And then all of a sudden, if you're let free after 20 years, do you know how to act in a free society? Would you know what to do? What do you do? You go, you, you find a place to live and nobody's telling you to do anything. Do you know what to do at that time? And the answer is, that's a challenge because you have now been given freedom to do anything. And yet you don't know how to handle that freedom. Well, that's the way it is with God's word. The truth will set you free. The question is, what do you do with the freedom? What do you do now that you're free from the bondage of sin and death? You can sit there and throw a tantrum and pretend like, you know, why isn't God doing everything for me? Or you can get the word out and learn how it works and begin to praise God and thank him for everything he's doing. And all I can say is that the Lord loves you enough that he will show you the way. And he'll do it in a time frame where you will get the most out of it. Now, I do believe that time shouldn't be an, an issue. We should be able to see things manifesting daily and instantly, but people hold it back. People hold it back. And I think we need to judge ourselves, realize none of your thoughts, none of your judgments, none of your ideas on how things work probably are the way they work. So give it up. Stop fighting with God. Let him do the work. Let's trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding. Let's forgive and forgive one another as Christ forgave us and has he loved us, love others. So we first have to have that central peace living in us. And that peace that's beyond all understanding Wherever we go, we take that peace with us. 
And if people won't receive the peace, then that's their issue. It's not our issue. So God wants us to bring peace. He wants us to bring the Garden of Eden. First of all, we need to have the Garden working in our life, but then wherever we go, bring a piece of heaven with us. Let the peace of the Lord, that's beyond all understanding, come on us so that we can live according to His Word. So wherever we go, bring that peace with us. I believe that everything we see on this earth, that you can physically feel, see, touch, I believe that it's but a speck of dust compared to the invisible world. And I wanted to read a scripture here, if I can find it. It's really one that we all know, but it's Hebrews 11.1, and it talks about faith. And it just says, now faith is the assurance, the title deed, and confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. So let me read it again. Now faith. Well, faith, if it's not being applied right now to the now, it's not really faith. So every one of us has prayers we want answered, and we want the answers now. So we have to assume that it's happening now. But Art, I can't see it happening now. That's correct. But Art, I don't feel like it's happening now. That's correct. But Art, I don't even believe it's happening now. That's not faith. Now we're believing it's not happening. Do you realize when you believe it's not happening, you are believing in something and the invisible world is reacting to it? So many people get within inches of having their prayers manifest and they turn on themselves, or they get mad and mad at God, but it comes out of their mouth with such a passion that that passion literally wrecks everything. Now you can say, well, wait a minute. On one hand, you're telling me I don't have to do the work. God's doing the work. That's right. I did say that. Well, then why do I, what, what does it matter what I'm saying? Because your words are weapons, and now your weapons have been turned against the Lord in you who's doing the work. You're literally fighting what He's doing to bring to pass what you want with your words. He gave your words power. Words create things. Words matter. The book of James tells us that the power of life and death is in the tongue. That's New Testament. If you can't accept that, God's already forgiven you for everything. He's already kept the law so you don't have to. Well, you should. You will, because out of love you will. Out of mercy and grace, we got that all taken care of. But now you have the freedom to use your tongue. And you're using your tongue against yourself. And you think it doesn't matter? You just get frustrated it didn't happen fast enough? In the spirit world, it's already happened. But we're, we're bringing it forth where it's causing, it's being born in 
the physical world. So we're calling it forth. We're receiving it forth. And by doing that, we are literally birthing the thing you're praying for, but God is doing the work. He built the system that does the work. And we're breaking out of the old system. The old system was, I have to do everything. I have to earn it. I have to go to work. I have to do this. I have to, I have to, I have to. The new one is I be obedient to believe that Jesus did the work, but I have to control my tongue. That's the one thing you got to control. Your tongue is doing the work, doing the, the fighting against the truth if you let it be loose. So now faith is the assurance. It's a deed. It's a, it's a confirmation. Like if you buy a vehicle, they give you a title to verify you actually own it. Otherwise, you might bring it home and not really own it. But now you have confirmation. But our faith is that confirmation. It's our deed. It's our title to whatever we're praying for. For the things that we hoped for, that were divinely guaranteed. Divinely guaranteed. And the evidence, the evidence, it's the evidence of things not seen. So if everything we see is a speck of dust compared to all that's invisible, just think of what you don't see that's going on around you every day. The conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by physical senses. So faith has to comprehend it. We have to comprehend that something is going on in the invisible world. We have to believe it's going on. And we have to believe it and believe it and be obedient to the fact that Jesus is getting it done for us and not back off, not back off, not back off. So what do we do? Every day and every way, we praise God. Say, I don't feel like it. I don't see what I, I'm not getting what I want, and I don't feel like it. You see, there's that old system lying to you. How do you know you're not getting what you want? How do you know that everything you prayed for and want isn't sitting right there in front of your face in the invisible world, but you can't get at it? Because right at the moment where it was going to appear, you blast off with a lot of negative speech and energy and mostly more powerful passion than you would actually use to create. But you're creating an obstacle. You're creating a barrier between you and what you want. So with the, what's in the invisible world, if God could would, would open our eyes to see everything, first of all, you would probably wouldn't be able to handle it because of all that's going on around us with the frequencies and and all that's going on everywhere, I think we would probably be shocked to see how close we were to everything manifesting. And I know that each one of us has prayers that we prayed that we would have loved to see the full manifestation of it. And it'll be sad, perhaps, in heaven, where God reveals how close we were and didn't get that. We didn't receive that. So God already has thought of everything that we're thinking. 
and everything we'll ever think. He knows how you feel. He loves you. If you're upset with God, not coming fast enough or whatever, he already knows that, and he loves you for it anyway. And he will lead you through it. But our job is to replenish this earth and bring the Garden of Eden. And faith is the element by which we do that. Um, Faith is what we are learning to use every day. Our faith. Our faith in the fact that Jesus is in us, using his faith to accomplish what we're asking for. And all we've got to do is believe he's in there doing the work. And the blessing is the same power that created the universe, that created the blessing. So that whole blessing, all the blessings from Deuteronomy that now you qualify for because Jesus kept the law on your behalf, all those blessings come from the same origination and power that created the universe. Now, Satan doesn't want us to know that. He doesn't want you to know that the power of God is working in your life. He wants you to rather say, no, it's not. I can't see it, therefore it's not real. I don't know. I believe for three days in a row, and then the fourth day I lose it. Faith just knows. The truth is God's Word. It's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. If I pray for something and I don't see the manifestation of it, I don't stop believing that I prayed. It's a fact that I prayed. Matter of fact, the right way to do that is to write down what you're praying for, assign a time and a date to that prayer, and keep a book of recorded prayers knowing that's prayed for. And let Jesus do the work. Let him do the work and rest knowing it's being done. But I can't wait. I need it now. Okay? I get that. And the Lord gets that. And he wants us to understand how the system works. So ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Ask the Lord to speed it up. Ask the Lord. It's now, right now. And I know people want it now. I get that. But in the invisible world, it's already being dealt with and it's done. So watch your tongue or your tongue. Well, that is something you have to be responsible for. You know, God paid the price for all our sins. He won't, It won't keep you out of heaven, but it sure will affect the invisible world here while you're trying to get to heaven, while you're, while you're working your way to the end of your life where you go to heaven and see how it all worked. And you realize that you and your tongue did so many things to damage your environment. You know, we worry about environments, you know, and we worry about what's going on in this earth and how the weather conditions are changing. I know people want to blame it on the ozone and all that. Mostly it's sin. I mean, there might be some repercussions from all the things we're polluting with. I I get the pollution thing. I get it. But there's more sin out of people's mouths than there is pollution. It's more verbal pollution. And that the world is reacting to. It's reacting to a convulsion. It's convulsing, become the rejection of God and a creator. So what are we going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? You're going to tell God he's late? You're going to tell God that 
he doesn't know what he's doing? Are you going to realize that the invisible world is much larger than you? The universe and everything God created is much bigger than you. And all you got to do is bow your knee to his word and accept what he did on the cross. He loves you and he wants you to love him back by simply believing, by simply believing. And that's the hardest part, I think, learning to believe, believing and trusting God. So the blessing is what we're after, all of us. We want to be blessed. What does living on top of the world look like? That's a great question. What does living on top of the world look like? What does living on top, what does it look like to you? Have you ever wrote it down? Have you made a list of all the things that would make you feel like you're living on top of the world? Maybe you have, and you're frustrated that it hasn't come to pass. Well, patience and long-suffering is part of the fruit of the Spirit. I do believe that we're in a time of acceleration, and God does not want it to take long. So I think His mercy and grace is about to speed things up. My only thing that I would say about that is, careful what you say. Because if God does speed it up, you might get some things you don't want happening in your life. And that wouldn't be fun. So if he speeds it up and every word you speak that you're speaking does come to pass in the next 24 hours, think about what you're saying. And only say what you want, not what you don't want. Uh, God's plan from the beginning was to get us all blessed. Not, not under the curse, but blessed. And that's why Jesus went to the cross. His primary focus is on us receiving those blessings. And, and we're, my, our, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. He's telling us we don't have to be the ox that's pulling the cart. It's all there, and it wants to manifest. Our focus should be on what we believe. So what do you believe? Do you believe God's really doing things for you? Or do you believe he's not doing it fast enough? Because even in that thought, you're slowing him down. You're telling God how to do the work. You're telling God your terms. What about his terms? The one who created the universe. He created it. And he said, if you will love one another as I have loved the church, if you, have, if you will love them as I have loved the church, then... I can bless you. Just love everyone. Forgive them. And I know it's not easy. I, there's a lot of people out there, it's very hard to forgive. And here, Proverbs 30, 30, it says, The lion, which is the mightiest among the beasts, and turns not back before any. Well, you're from the Lion of Judah. You are coming from that lion. And you are mighty in Christ. You don't turn back. You just move forward. Acts 10.35, but in every nation, in every nation, he who venerates and has a reverential, reverential, a man, a man, reverential fear of God, treating him with worship, obedience, and living uprightly is acceptable to him, sure of being received and welcomed by him. Let me read that again. In every nation, he who venerates the, 
and has a reverential fear of God, reverencing him, treating him with worship and obedience. Now, what's the obedience? The obedience simply means obeying the fact that he did it all for us. Believing that he did it is the obedience in the New Testament. Believing that he is in us and living in worship, obedience, and living uprightly is acceptable to him and sure of being received and welcomed. So we are welcomed by him when we simply believe that he did all this for us. Romans 3.24, all are justified and made upright and in right standing with God, all freely and gratuitously by his grace, his unmerited favor and mercy through the redemption which he provided in Christ Jesus. All are justified. You, have, you are justified and made upright in right standing with God freely and gratuitously by his grace, his unmerited favor and mercy. Unmerited favor and mercy. That's what God's message is all about. You can't earn this. It's unmerited. Romans 6.17, But thank God, though you were once slaves to sin, you have become obedient or believing with all your heart to the standard of teaching in which you were instructed and to which you were committed, which means you now believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And God says it's like the days of Noah to him. He put a bow in the sky to remind him for his love for us. So God loves you, and he's forgiven you, and he always will. And all you have to do is reach out and take it. So if things aren't happening fast enough, if you're mad, upset, frustrated, short with God, keep your mouth shut, because it's your words that are the weapons that stop him from getting to you the answers to the prayers that you prayed. Don't stop God. Thank Him. Praise Him. You keep worshiping Him, no matter what. Stay with it. <clears throat> Don't give up. Never give up. Just thank the Lord with all your heart. And love Him. And put Him first in all things. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. It's about space. It's about saving the human race. It's about hate. It's about love. It's about everything above. It's about war, it's about peace, it's about changing history. It's about you, it's about me, it's about time.